This podcast is supported by the Adelaide Review. Get up to date with what's happening around Adelaide by visiting adelaidereview.com.au. Hi and welcome to By the Glass. This is a podcast about the people who work with food and booze. My name is Chris Komorek. As always, my co-host Ali Robertson. Welcome, Ali. Good morning. You and I have both been over in Italy and our guest today has also been in Italy. It's Chester Osborne. Welcome, Chester. Hi. How you doing? I'm great, thanks. I hear there's drinks coming. I don't know what they are. That's right. Can I can I offer you a drink? Yeah, cynosilicophobia has actually set in. You know, the fear of an empty glass. Well, we've got a couple of empty glasses on the table. Okay, well, I'm going to pour you two different drinks. We've got a single glass. If you can just not look at what I'm pouring. Oh, all right, I'm, I'm looking away. In this beautiful 19... Well, it seems like 1970s, but maybe it is older. Alistair's just placed uh, glass number one down. And what we're doing here, folks, for those listening at home, we're doing a little blind tasting of what uh, is colloquially known as party water. That's right. This is okay. H2O There's one. Uh, that's carbonated. So just tell us uh, what's happening in this glass. Well, that's pretty neutral on the nose. Well, right. yeah. <laughs> well, normally at, at this studio, you get a little dirty glass. Well, so. that's what I was expecting. Mm. <laughs> So what do you think of this water in particular? Well, it's got um, no, the bubbles are good, uh, plenty of them, and there's a it's a lovely saltiness, sort of you know, all sorts of you know, magnesium and probably stuff that's supposed to be bad for me, but you know, you're not supposed to have salt, are you? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it actually tastes pretty good. I, I mm. mean, I could drink a lot of that. There's a, almost this little sweet, fruity like uh, flavour in there, just a little, you know, something a bit more it seems than just water, just the salts and some other. Yeah, a little other flavour development in there. Very good. So we'll go straight knock to... this one off. Yeah, knock this one off. All right, if you can close your eyes one more time. Bottle two this time. Um, I should note, same colour bottle. So I, I've done something a little naughty. Uh, these are both imported waters. Mm-hmm. Come from on boats from a long way away to Australia. Well, having known that you were in Italy, mind you were in England as well, then it could be it could be Italy. Now, um, it, it's also very attractive, especially when I'm dehydrated <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after yeah. the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's got a quite a different carbonation. Yeah, oh yeah, it, it is much the, more. Bu- bubbles are bigger, aren't they? The mm. other one was a little bit finer, and there's probably more, as you say, as well, Chris. Uh, mm. The um, and. And there's still a reasonable amount of salt. It's a different, really different flavoured salt, and it doesn't have quite that fruity sweetness, but mm, there's a, mm. still a lovely long um, salt end. So um, which of these waters would you pair with different, you know, occasions? Well, um, Drinking on s- its own since or... I'm talking about after a big weekend, yeah. that's a good occasion <laughs> we can be pairing with. And I'd say twice as much as what you're giving me of both of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I can I can do the reveal. Well, can we can we They're have both good? Well, uh, can you get, take a guess? What what I, brand do you think it is? Oh well, I don't think either of them are Evian. They're not. Yeah. That's correct. Because <laughs> that water's very very distinguishable. Mm-hmm. Is one of them that green Pellegrini? Correct. That was number one. Because that's the one I suppose we drink mostly. And yes. it does have a sort of sweet, fruity-like character in it. I love it. I love yeah, it. It's but really I feel good, guilty. It? Yeah. Because San Pellegrino. So far away. Okay. And yeah. then option two, Ali, if oh you would God. like to do the big reveal. 
uh, uh, um, is it one you made out of a carbon thing, out of a carbonator <laughs> thing? You know, no, it's not. Oh, soda stream, no. no, it's not soda stream. That's what I was trying to say, but it's not because uh, it's got more salt in it. No, this is a natural mineral water, uh, fortified with gas from the spring, from Perrier. Oh, Perrier! Oh, I should have known that, shouldn't I? Then. So, just the 2018, it's it's been quite a massive year for you. Oh yeah. Um, you're coming to the end now. Are you a bit relieved? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It's been a great ride. I don't know. You know, I, I could be on this way for a long time. Keeping the momentum going is uh, always something that you wonder whether the people are going to be still talking about you, you know, years later or a year later. Um, but uh, now it's sort of being used in advertising everywhere, just you know, as a something to come to South Australia. And uh, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of things that uh, tourism have got in up their sleeve that they want to be doing with it mm. for the next year. So, so no, it's looking pretty positive still, and the numbers are higher now than they've ever been of the visitation. So, uh, so yeah, I suppose it's it's really working. It's interesting though, isn't it? Um, that the idea that keep people talking about you. You know, if you if you don't do something, if you don't reinvent the wheel, so to speak, uh, your winery can just if you're doing such big scale stuff like you are, um, it could it could so easily just get lost. That that's exactly right. So for years we would come out with a new wine. So, you know, first of all we started just calling them by stage names back mm. in the eighties. So we were the first people to call a wine old vine Shiraz, old vine full stop. Is that right? Yeah, and Noble. That was we were first in the world to call huh. a wine noble and uh, in in eighty five. And then we ramped it up to Bigger, better names and better blends and things like you know the dead arm Shiraz and um, then we, then we went well um, we've got Viognier let's do Shiraz Viognier so you know Laughing Magpie came about and then Galvo Garage and the derelict vineyard Grenache and they they got even more complex mm. names as we went into our all our single vineyard range which is twenty two single vineyard Shiraz wines at Derenbeck. Um and they're they're uh, you know things like um, the Pickwickian Brognidian you know, yeah uh, meaning uh, giant and Pickwickian being very stately and stylish, so uh, a stylish giant wine, uh, and all the, all, uh, and then we introduced our supers to uh, uh, super wines. So the Arthur Zagoraphobic Cat, mm. uh, which is Sagrantino pressings with Cinso. Well, Arthur Zagoraphobia is the fear of being forgotten, mm. and pressings of Sagrantino will not be forgotten, being <laughs> the most tannic variety of Italy. And you know, I can keep going on. All you, you know, the old bloke and free young blondes. Oh my God, that was uh, that was a big rush when uh, the media uh, got on top of that. Yeah, well, yeah. A, a, a female website and a magazine uh, called me sexist for that. The funny thing about it is that old bloke and three young blondes actually doesn't refer to whether they're girls or boys. Mm. Um, it's just old bloke and three young blondes. And uh, and it's by you know, old vine Shiraz and three white grapes, my son Rosanna and Vionne from young vines, or myself you know, and my three daughters who, two of them are mostly blonde, or yeah. always blonde, the other one's that's sometimes blonde. <laughs> uh, and, and so that was it. But anyway, I did what I didn't realise is if you Google old bloke and three young blondes, you get a lot of hardcore porn. Yeah, oh, well. well. <laughs> and, and didn't really. Well, the funny thing about it is I got like two days of media. I was on the radio non-stop and everything. And now the whole first page is all about um, Darenberg. You've got to go to the second page to see porn. And <laughs> So I thought I'd actually come out with a whole range of wines of all the most searched porn names. Yeah. And we could own that whole segment. Oh, man. <laughs>
Well, whatever, you know, gets you off, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, I didn't really answer your question uh, <laughs> about uh, how you go uh, keeping the brand stimulating. And, and I suppose Derenberg's been very fortunate. We've had enormous amounts of press over the years. And, mm. and our wine style is, you know, really quite austere and that more, slightly more European, a lot of soil character, very long and, uh, and mineral. And, and uh, it takes ages to open up and, and become, well, you can drink them young, but they, they were all about age, really, mm-hmm. is when they really hit their straps. Uh, and and so um, the, the style that people started to talk about more and more was the more forward style, and then you know become more natural wines and all those sorts of characters and whatever. And so I suppose we we really had to how we going to cut through in the in the noise was really to try and get all of the other media in the world, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is actually a lot bigger because the column inches of wine talk is so small nowadays yeah. that uh, that yeah if you get it in the other one then you're going to get a lot more. Which of course what happened with the Derenberg Cube is that. Mm. Uh, yeah, all the all the magazines, travel magazines, and or any lifestyle, and just every everywhere you looked, it's been so. So yeah, that uh, that was really why we did it. Actually. Well, the cube is such a huge tourism destination as well as you know a food and wine destination. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I, I wanted to ask you just very simply how you would like people to think about Darenberg, because lots of people will think, oh, they make just heaps of wine, they do lots of export. Uh, some people go, oh, it's the cube is amazing it's a tourism place i think of you as you know the first family of wine so there's so much history you know there's a lot if if people don't know you very well uh, how do you like people to think about Darenberg? yeah and i suppose all the time i always thought that the message wasn't being given as well as i would have liked to like there's a lot of people would come up to you and you'd just be in conversation and go oh really i didn't know you were that old like well, it's not me old <laughs> <the company. Yeah. laughs> and uh, actually they don't know i'm that old either half the time but uh but uh, um and just uh you know i didn't know that you were the biggest biodynamic grower in australia and that you, you know you're very minimal input wine making and you know, no racking out of barrels and all this sort of stuff all these stories and, oh and everything's foot tried it's like you know it's really hard to get that message across even though we had a little emblem on the bottle saying foot trod. So I, I went, well, it would be better to tell the story through art and then and make it really interesting and fun. And pictures always tell a thousand words. So it's, it's, it, no one wants to sit there and read about you know, what happened, the process of winemaking. They just want to drink and get drunk probably half the time. But, but excuse the expression, maybe not. No, no, drink responsibly, remember. No, that's good to know. So it is really the history of you know, of the family and Darenberg that you want people to think about. And the process. That's and, right, yes. And then, of course, the other thing is a really unique name. So, uh, Chester, one thing we love to do here on By the Glass is subject our guests to a little pop quiz. Oh, God. Okay. How are you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling really good. <laughs> Is that the first question? Did I get it right? No, it's not the first question. <laughs> so there's a, so there's the basic rules here uh, for buy the glass pop quiz. Um, it has been a little while since yeah, I've are, explained what, this. What are the rules, Chris? Tell um, us. <laughs> I think uh, there's three questions. If you answer one correctly, you buy us a beer. If you answer two correctly, we'll buy you a beer. And if you answer three correctly, uh, you'll get uh, this. Lovely Kit Kat Chunky that Ali has just put on the table. Mm. All sounds uh, good to me. All right, question one, Ali. Okay. Name the director of the hit film Interstellar. 
Oh my god, I did like that movie actually. It's not was, that old, is it? Wasn't it amazing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm the worst person in the world for names. Oh, that's okay. Um, and it's not. Well, was it Spielberg? It wasn't. Oh, Would you I like another clue? Yeah, sure. Okay. He also directed the Batman trilogy. Oh, okay. Um, no, I'm not going to get it. Okay. It's Christopher oh, Nolan. It's Christopher oh, Nolan. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm more obsessive about wine than I am movies. Well, the, the next two questions are a little more to do with, um, you know, things that are related to the cube, I guess. But I'm going to have to ask Ali to ask question two because I can't read his writing. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote this in the car. Okay. Um, Pablo Picasso, George Braque, and Paul Cezanne are commonly associated with which art movement? Cubism. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question three, Chester. We've got a music question for you now. Hip to be square is the smash hit 1986 song by which band? Yeah. Huey Lewis? That's, That's correct. correct. <laughs> That's so <Hey>. my age. <laughs> so um, total is, is, is two out of three. That means uh, that we are buying you a beer. <laughs> but I'm so afraid that the, uh, the Kit Kat chunk is off the That's table. It's probably good that I don't get the Kit Kat. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> so Chester, being uh, the head now of a, of a family-run winery... Um, and your dad's still going strong. Well, he's Gary. actually still ahead of you. We could argue. <laughs> well, we could. We need to. Start, I don't think we have time have to, to argue that much. at that point. Um, but I mean, obviously, he has been quite a big influence on you. But do you think you've had that influence on him now because what you've brought to to the company? Do you think he ever foresaw that? Um, I think he was always worried <laughs> that I was going to do too much. Um, when we uh, when I first took over really was 1983 late 83 when I came back from Roseworthy and dad said well you're trained now so you make wine you know like, mm. and like you know as if I'd know what I'm going to do or know how to make wine when you just come straight out of university um but he had a friend who was helping him in the winemaking Doug Collett helped uh, for, for years there in the winemaking and um and Doug was getting older and, you know, Dad really needed help. It was, uh, the industry was changing a lot and uh, Dad didn't, he, he knew the winery was very old fashioned and he was expecting me to change a lot of the winery equipment. He didn't want to do it beforehand in case he got it wrong. And I came home and I didn't know what to do, so I didn't change anything. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've grown up in my whole life in the winery, worked mm. half of my holidays and uh, in all of my schooling from the age of seven. So I'd grown up with it all, but I still didn't know really what I, what, you know, what I should be doing. And then when I went, well, actually these old style small fermenters work really well. Um, we've made great wines in the past. Why should I change them? And, and actually I turned the vineyard back into the old fashioned way. So dad was cultivating for years. When he first started, there was no power, no uh, tractors. So he was just working the vineyard with horses. Mm. And you could never get around to kill all the weeds, of course, we were cultivating with a couple of horses. Mm -hmm. So uh, um, he, when he got the tractor, he loved it because he'd bore up and down the rows and kill all the weeds all the time. But I, I showed him, I said, well, look, I've dug holes in the vineyard and there's no roots where you're killing all these weeds. And you're killing them to try and, try and stop the competition. But actually, there's no roots there because you've sterilised the soil. So nothing's growing there. Mm. And, and, uh, and I said, we're, we're going to give up cultivation. 
give up um, herbicides, uh, give up fertilizer because the fertilizer and water irrigation, give up that too when we can. Uh, the, they fertilizer and irrigation is growing a vine like hydroponically. Mm. So how do you get the soil flavor when you're just giving it all this free nitrogen, whatever? So we, so we're going to do all that, give up all these things. And he said, well, we better sell the vineyard now while we get something for it before they all die <laughs> and the vines. But he was really surprised at how actually they uh, they didn't need anywhere near the amount of water and the wines are much better now that we don't fertilize like that and uh, and he, he so he, he gradually along the line he's he's sort of seen how the changes have made have actually had a good impact and then the cube well that took a long time to happen yeah um how long so 15 years ago okay. i built the model and presented it to the board uh, about half a meter high made out of baseball trophy uh, Baseball holders, actually, little cubes, um, uh, Perspex cubes. Oh, right, right. And, and uh, um, or just stuck them all together and put little stickers on the outside and had in the vineyard with little ambulances and little people in there and so on all around it. It's exactly as it is today the, with the base set back in. And everything's exactly where where I put it, like the, the model is exactly the same. Um, and uh, all twisted and box pulled out, whatever. And um, yeah, he really thought I'd gone around the twist when he saw that. Yeah, and do you remember that day? <laughs> walking, yes. walking in with it? Yeah. Was there a sheet over it? Uh, well, no, I've had it in the in another room, so that right, I just okay. had to go and grab it. It's quite heavy. Like I needed two people because it's got all soil in there. It's got a little vineyard, so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually really quite heavy, and uh, so yeah, he uh, he didn't like the idea, and his brother and sister particularly also they were even worse probably who uh, are other shareholders in the in the company, mm. and um, and it took a lot of years to convince them. Eventually, I, I snuck it in. On the basis that uh, he said he didn't think it was actually buildable. And I said, well, why don't I try and have a look at that? And he thought it wouldn't be. So I went to a good mate of mine, James Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Constructions, and uh, and he said, yep, we can build it. And this is, you know, I sat down with the architect and the engineer for quite a long time you know, to get through it. And we got it to a point of design that you know, we could say, yes, we think we, it's all good. And uh, and uh, so that came up at the next board meeting. And then he said, well, you'd never get approval for it, though, on top of the hill here. And I said, yeah, well, well, obviously, being McLaren Vale being quite a conservative area. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, and so, and you know, I'm going to council. Mm-hmm. But uh, about a year in council with really only one objection, and the one objection was friends of the earth, Wollonga, who just object to everything that ever is anything. So, yeah, so we got approval after a year, and then it's like, oh, I suppose we better build it now. And that was 2009, so then we uh-huh. got uh, building approval. So I got planning approval in nine, and then building approval in ten. And then, of course, the GFC had really hit home. The exchange rate had gone haywire. Um, profitability was falling out of the industry rapidly. And we'd bought 200 acres of vines in the pre- in 2007, so our debt had gone up quite a bit. Uh, and so we went, no, we can't build it. So we just kept it on hold. The reason it got approval is because it's actually in the middle of our operation up there. You know, you've got Darry's Veranda to mm. the uh, south, the stables to the west, and then the winery to the east. So it's pretty much in, in amongst everything there. And and there's trees around three quarters of it. So mm. so that sort of helps to hide. I don't think they realised quite how high it was going to be, though. We actually decided to build it in 2014 because that's when it uh, was going to run out in 15, and that was yep. it. And so we had to we had to start all or it's all over Red Rover. The the really interesting thing about that 
is that the facade is a lot of glass. And you know, we know the cheese grater building on, you know, on North Terrace there. Mm. And that's because you can't build buildings with a lot of glass now because of energy codes. But in 2010, you could because <laughs> <laughs> the codes changed 10% per annum. Uh, so yeah. we, we were lucky we were working on building codes in 2010. But even doubly so lucky because in 2010, you couldn't build this building because the glass had to be double tempered so that you could have half in a, uh, covered up with a white pattern of the outside and half in the in the sun, they explode. The glass would explode if it was single-tempered. So it had mm -hmm. to be double-tempered. And big sheets of glass, there was nowhere that that could be done until 2014. Yeah. So it actually had to happen as it did, exactly as it, as it fell out. It had, those timings had to be the way it was. So yeah, very lucky, really. Meant to be. <laughs> well, with this vision of the cube in your vineyards, you grew up on the vineyard as a kid. How does it feel different now? Uh, it is quite different. In fact, a lot of my employees were really nervous about yeah, the move. Yeah. Like they're really, uh, you could see the tension everywhere, and and some of them are still just trying to work out how to relax. You know, mm. I think you know, uh, yeah. there's a few grey hairs amongst them. Yeah. The, the whole company does feel quite a bit different. Well, it's also got, and um, we've got now 190 employees, so that's introduced another whole heap of family. You could yeah, say. absolutely, that's <laughs> and, huge. And, mm. and you know, the restaurant, of course, is a very uh, different restaurant to Darry's Rounder, the, the Darrenburg Cube restaurant. So that's added uh, another beautiful complexity and uh, and it's been acknowledged recently very well. So we're very happy about that. And we're still the same old company in the vineyards. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, and the the opportunities are just so much higher. Are you and then we, are you, sorry, are your three girls like getting into wine? Are they like, are they old enough to drink? And Oh, yeah. So Alicia's 22 yeah. and uh, she uh, yeah, enjoys wine a lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way <laughs> and and is uh, works in the tasting room at Darrenburg. Awesome. So she's serving customers uh, while she's studying. And then Ruby, who's also left school and is 19, and uh, she works in the concierge downstairs, but occasionally upstairs. Mm -hmm. She's starting to learn more. And she quite likes white wines, uh, particularly the Riesling, and she's quite good on the rosé as well. Great. Um, but, you know, she's gradually getting there. I think Alicia actually probably consumed her body weight every year more than what Ruby did. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, in the, at the same age. But uh, anyway, and then uh, Mimi, well, she's only in year 10. Okay. Uh, so she, she does uh, some, you know, some nights, normally when we have dinner, We'll have a bottle of wine and, and we'll sit around talking for an hour or two afterwards, you know. I don't know how they get their homework done. Mm. And that then sometimes Mimi and I will just stay up and we'll we'll drink for the next four or five hours. Well she like sips a little bit and yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be making yeah. sure the bottles yeah not being wasted. Yeah. <laughs> and, but uh, but uh, and Mimi's the one who wants to be winemaker. So she's mm. been saying it for eight years now that she's adamant she wants to be a winemaker. And do you see similarities in in yourself as a as a child and to your to your kids? Do you see them taking a similar path to you and and eventually maybe down the line, surprising you and and pushing you in a different direction? Well, they're all three different kids as they always are. Yeah. You know, the siblings. It's amazing how different they can be being brought up in semi-same conditions. Um, but um, uh, Mia is uh, quite uh, quirky and uh, and quite enjoys her own company. Uh, and that's probably what I was like 
or I was like, uh, really uh, quite artistic. Quite, she's got a good, really good brain on her head. She can see, think really laterally. And she's quite strong-willed as well. Maybe even more strong-willed than I was when I was that age. So that probably opens up a can of worms. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll be as uh, giving as my father was, as giving, handing over the winemaking. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm actually looking, really looking forward to it because uh, uh, I'll be educating rather than just saying, well, here, you do it. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't have masses and masses of barrels back in those days. So there was just the vats and you just line up the vats and, and taste them and go, well, let's make the best wine out of these. And that's it. And it's pretty simple. Now, just to wrap up this uh, podcast, I'd like to ask you a question. What's your hangover cure? Oh, I've got the best hangover cure. It's right. unbelievable. I have not had a hangover for at least a year and a half. And and I can drink quite a bit of booze on a sitting. <laughs> um, and it's Hydrodol. Is that right? What is what is it? Hydrodol is available at most chemists um, and, and at the Darenberg Cube. <laughs> we sell it. Uh, <laughs> and it's got a heap of amino acids, vitamins, and minerals. But there's one particular compound in there, amino acid, uh, glutathione. And glutathione has been proved to stimulate the pituitary gland to make aldehyde dehydrogenase. Getting a bit technical, but uh, when alcohol is broken down, it's broken down to aldehyde, and then the aldehydes have to be broken down. The aldehydes are what gives you that headache. It's nothing to do with dehydration at all. It's just purely the aldehyde interaction uh, and and um, upsetting your uh, synapses. And do you, do you drink beer and spirits and other things like that, or mostly wine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't drink a lot of beer. Um, uh, so you don't have a coffee in the morning? I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. Uh, I, well, I've tasted it five times, but uh, each time it's been like the meanest Croatian coffee or something because they go, wow, you're Oh, there's a problem. That's, yeah, that's a Cafe for, Dunzo. That's, yeah. that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But yeah, um, I've sort of, a lot of people say it's very good that you don't. So I go on the same front, well, let's not worry about doing it. But actually, last time I tried coffee, as I say, it was a Croatian coffee, three o'clock in the morning on a uh, fourth day of a party over in Port Lincoln. I was on a prawn. We, we got kicked out of the party at 11 o'clock, you know, the four-day party. And uh, fair enough, I suppose. And we hadn't had enough, so we went to the, pub, the, the Marina Hotel. And there was a little Croatian man in a singlet with hair everywhere. You know, and, and that's when I had this Croatian coffee. And as soon as I put it in my mouth, I could taste tannins like unbelievable amount of fine tannins enormous amount like i'm working you know in wine tannin scale of one to ten say and here these were at like two or three hundred you know yeah. it's right wow. out of the scale so i just tasted them for a fraction of a second then i couldn't taste anything actually it's really quite funny it was outside of the range mm. and i thought well i can't do that to myself i can't like suddenly let's have a range of now one to three hundred and i'm trying to work out you know 6.2 to 6.3, it's not going to work. So uh, mm. I went, no, it's probably a good idea. I don't drink coffee. Well, Chester, that's all the time we have for on today's episode of By the Glass. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, great, Chris. Uh, thanks. Cheers. Well, that's all for this episode. If you want to catch up on any other old episodes, visit our SoundCloud account, iTunes, or the Adelaide Review. And if you've liked what you've heard today, don't forget to tell your bartender. Thank you.